I'm Pastor Rob, one of the pastors here at Bridge, the discipleship pastor here at Bridge. And uh, this morning, uh, we are going to be diving back into our Bible Engagement Project series. Who's excited about Bible Engagement Project? Yeah? Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I've really enjoyed... uh, Hello. Hello. Mm. Got like some bass going on now. Yeah. Oh. That one. Uh-huh. That was it. Right there. Oh. Don't know what it is. Awesome. So, um, well, this morning we are we're diving back into Bible Engagement Project, and uh, this, we are diving into session, Volume 7, Session 1. And uh, so we're going to be there this morning. And this morning I get the off, awesome privilege of my wife, Christy, speaking with me this morning. Yeah. Uh, this has happened a couple of times. It's few and far between. It's, it's more rare than a solar eclipse or, or, I don't know, whatever they call those, other blood moons or whatever. So it's very rare that she, is, she comes up on the stage with me. So I'm excited about that this morning. But uh, this morning, let's dive into volume seven, session one. That means that we have a new memory verse for our Bible engagement project. So um, can we... Can we go ahead and put that new memory verse on the screen? And it is out on our Etch-A-Sketch this morning. And it, it says, Christy, would you, would you uh, read this to us this morning? Mm. Sure. It says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Yeah, so how many, of you, how many of you guys say, you know, I have this verse memorized? This is one of the first verses, like, I memorized. Yeah, some of you memorized growing up. It was one of the very first verses I memorized in, in, in church. And, you know, the whole idea of, you know, we have that Etch-A-Sketch out there on the wall, and it's the whole idea of our minds being renewed by the Word of God. And, uh, you know, our, the, oftentimes when we're in God's Word, it's like erasing the Etch-A-Sketch, right? And it renews our mind to give us a blank slate to be able to think more clearly and the, think the way that, that Jesus would would have us to think. And so um, that, is, that is why. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, would you say this with me this morning? Would you, would, you, would you memorize this verse with me this morning? Can we say it together? You ready? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. John 14.6. NLT. You guys missed the part. See? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. That's what the kids in youth group would do every time. You know, it'd be like, you know, okay, we get that. So, but, uh, but we're memorizing this scripture together. And so this morning, we're actually starting a little mini-series as part of the Bible Engagement Project. And it's going to be called Encountering Jesus. And so each week, we're going to look at a story from scripture that's all about people encountering Jesus. And so this morning, we're actually going to be diving into encountering Jesus through his birth. Encountering Jesus through his birth. And I don't know about you, but it's really hard for me to believe that today is December 4th, right? Like, I feel like we went from, like, October to Thanksgiving, and then all of a sudden we're in December. I don't know what happened to, like, the first 26 days of 20 days of November. Like, they're just gone. Anybody else feel that way? Yes. Yeah. So, so I, don't, I don't know what happened. But last time I spoke was actually the last week of October, and I asked this question, and I want to see if I get different survey results this morning. <laughs> I asked the question at the end of October. I said, how many of you have started Christmas shopping? And I got a very few hands went up. So I'm going to ask the same question again. How many of you have started Christmas shopping? Okay, better response, better response. How many of you say, I'm done Christmas shopping? Okay, what? a few of you. That's really wow. good. And uh, that's goals, right? There. How many of you guys are in this court and going, "When's Christmas?" <laughs> I, I'm part of that. Oh, I, I'm yes. going. When, that's how? Totally well, just so you're aware, if you're a last minute person, you have 21 days. <laughs> 21 days until Christmas, so you got some time, and uh, and, and and we're going to get there. You know, if you're last minute a procrastinator, that's okay. Just remember that Christmas Eve, there's some stores that aren't open normal hours. And I don't know this from experience, but I may have ran into that in the past. And um, so I remember just a, a few years back, uh, I'm going to tell you a quick story about Christmas Eve shopping. I, I, I'm a procrastinator when it comes to Christmas gifts. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll just run to the mall and I'll pick, up, pick Christy up something. And, um, you yeah, know, usually, usually you find something, right? Like normally you, you find, find something last minute. So, and so I went and... Uh, <laughs> 
I went, I went and, uh, we, uh, and, I, and, and I was shopping, and I saw this big sign on, on like this jewelry store, and it said, store closing. And I was like, yeah, right. You know, it's just like the mattress store is closing, right? And it's like the next day it just opens with a different name on top, and it's the same mattresses inside. So I was like, okay. So jewelry store is closing. I went in, and, and it happened to be a jewelry store that I've been to before. You know what I mean? You frequent the same one sometimes. So I've been to the same one, and actually a girl that we went to college with worked there. And I said, yo, what's up? And she said, I said, is the store really closing, or are you guys just changing the name outside? And she was like, no, we're actually closing. We found out two days ago that we have to liquidate everything in the store by the end of the year. And I was like, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And uh, let's just put it this way. Christy got jewelry that year for Christmas. And um, yes, and she was happy. It doesn't always work out that way, so don't wait till the last minute. It doesn't always work out, but sometimes it pays to procrastinate, right? I guess. Sure. Maybe. So this morning we're going to be, uh, we're really far off track. I so this know. morning we're going to be diving into encountering Jesus through his birth. And uh, so this morning we have a, a little little nativity scene. This might be Zeb's um, little Fisher-Price nativity scene. It's cute. And uh, it, it, it is. It is cute. And so this morning we're going to walk through that. And there is so much. You good? Okay. Sure. Okay. There is so much in the story of Jesus' birth. And um, I know, like many of you maybe in this room, you've You've heard the story of Jesus' birth time and time and time again, right? Like, if you've been in church for a while, uh, you, you might even be able to, like, basically, like, quote the story of Jesus' birth, right? From the New Testament, from the Gospels. I mean, I, I grew up every year, my family read the Christmas story. I mean, from, this is like one of my first early memories, is my dad reading the Christmas story, uh, the birth of Jesus, uh, at, on Christmas Eve. And so, many of us ha- have been there. But I kind of this morning wanted to, to step away from maybe the traditional version of the Christmas story, the traditional storyline, and kind of look at Jesus, encountering Jesus through his birth in like a different light. Um, I've been chewing on this for a few weeks, and this week I was talking with Christy about it, and she's heard it for like three weeks, so she's heard this message for about three weeks, and <laughs> she, uh, she agreed to, uh, to join me this morning in sharing, sharing, this, sharing this story. And I want to look at the characters in the story of his birth uh, that encountered him in the midst of life's journey. Yeah, you know, oftentimes we, re- oftentimes we read these passages and we think it's just pages in a history book, right? We think that these people's encounters with Jesus, they don't actually relate to us. We, maybe we struggle with trying to figure out how can I actually see myself in these stories? But, you know, these are ordinary men and women who encountered Jesus in the midst of some of the same circumstances that you and I walk through. So the main point this morning, if you get nothing else out of what we're going to share, is this point. Jesus came to encounter you no matter where you are. Jesus came to encounter you no matter where you are. He came to encounter each person despite what you're walking through in this moment. He came to encounter you despite your current situation. Uh, despite your circumstances, your sins, your flaws, your imperfections, your thoughts. He came and was born with the sole purpose to provide you and I an opportunity to encounter him. And it doesn't matter what you're walking through. You can encounter him. So this morning, let's take a look at a few of these circumstances that these characters were walking through when they encountered Jesus. Yeah, so this morning, uh, I believe the, the, the one, the very first thing that we see that people encountered Jesus through was they encountered Jesus through their fear, through the story of the birth of Jesus. You know, how many times do we read this story and the, we hear the angels say, you know, to different characters through the story, you know, do not be afraid, right? How many times do we read that, you know, and they were terrified and those sorts of ideas. So the first characters that, that we want to talk about this morning is is Mary and Joseph. And so there we go, baby Jesus. He's so cute. This is supposed to be Mary. And this is supposed to be Joseph. And uh, so we're going to talk about Mary and, and Joseph this morning. And we're initially going to talk about Mary. And so let's look at Mary's story in, 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 as the most prominent character in Luke 1, 26 through 35. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Or it's going to be on the screen this morning, Luke 1, uh, 26. And it says this. It says, in the sixth month, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. 
She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Now, how many of you guys have ever been confused and disturbed before? I've been there. I've been confused sometimes. I mean, especially if there's an angel speaking to me. I'm sure I'd be confused. But confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. And the angel says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Yeah, you know, Mary's fear wasn't just from the angel. She specifically said, but I'm a virgin. It was the fear of what society would say when they found out that she was pregnant. It was the rejection that she was going to experience. Thank goodness Mary didn't allow her fear to dictate her response. Oftentimes we allow fear to determine our next step, right? To control our response when we encounter Jesus. But Mary's response was amazing. It says in Luke 1.38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then she uh, goes and visits Elizabeth a few days later, and she responds in a song of praise. I don't know about you, but when I'm confused, when I'm afraid, sometimes when I encounter Jesus, I don't automatically respond in a song of praise. (laughs) Sometimes it takes me a little while to accept the mission, the call. But Mary immediately replies, let it happen, I'm willing. And then she obeys and she responds in a song of praise. You know, Mary really embodied the idea of praising through your fear. Mary didn't allow fear to dictate her response to encountering Jesus. Despite her fear, She accepted the call, the mission of being the mother of Jesus. So we talked about Mary, but what about Joseph? Let's check out Matthew 1, 18 to 21. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So she decided to break that engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph's reply was, Joseph's natural response was to, you know, divorce Mary quietly, right? Like, I don't want to make a big deal about this. Joseph's fear was of society's response to Mary being pregnant, right? Like, that was his fear. Um, so he, w- he was going to break it, break the engagement quietly. And can I tell you, I- I've been in those situations where, like, you, you know, you, something, you don't want to make a big deal out of something. So you're like, you know what, like it's not really that big a deal and I don't really want to be drawn into this so it would be really easy just to, you know, cut it out, right? Like cut it out of your life, ignore it. I don't really want to, to, to don't want it to, to be a, that big of a deal. But when we encounter Jesus, the call is to not be afraid. When he's called you to something, he'll walk you through it. And, and God has a plan and a purpose through our fear. And God's plan and purpose for Joseph was to be the husband of Mary and to be the father of Jesus. And that couldn't have taken place if Joseph wouldn't have listened and obeyed what the, what the angel had said. It could not have taken place if he wouldn't have encountered Jesus through his fear. His response was, I will stand by Mary through everything. In the midst of society's negative view of her, I will stand by her. Through people's insults that come her way, as they, as they, and through people who walk out on her, I'm going to stay with her. I'm going to support her. I will stand next to her because I have encountered Jesus, and I'm trusting his plan in the midst of my fear. And I think that that's often what many of us need to, need to do. Like, I look at this story, I go, 
How many times have I allowed fear to dictate my response to what God may be calling me to? How many times have I allowed fear to dictate, you know, whether, you know, I pray for that person that God places on my heart to pray for? How many times have I allowed fear to not have the conversation in the grocery store or wherever it might be that God might be pulling me to have a conversation or in the coffee shop or wherever that might be? How many times have I allowed fear to, to dictate my my response to, my, to him speaking to me. So we see people who encountered Jesus through, through fear. The second is we see people who encountered Jesus through waiting. And we see this through Simeon and Anna. How many of you this morning would say, be bold enough to say in this room, you know, I've been waiting on God to do something in my life. Whether you've been waiting on God to move on, in, in, in a circumstance, you've been praying for something for a long time, or maybe God's made you a promise, and you say, I've been waiting on that promise to be fulfilled. You, you say, hey, I'm part yeah. of that category, right? Yeah, I'm there. I've been there. I am there praying, asking God to move in a situation. Maybe it's been days, weeks, months, years we've prayed, and um, praying for healing, praying for direction, praying for clarity, praying for God to fulfill a promise that he's given to us. This morning, if we look at Simeon and Anna, we're going to see people who encountered Jesus in the midst of their waiting. So first, we're going to look at Simeon in Luke 2, 52 through 32. And um, let's read this. It says, at, this, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was, a righteous and devout, he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and, he, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which, have, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he, he is the glory of your people Israel. See, we see in this... You can go ahead and put Simeon out there. That's a little curl. Yeah, you can put Simeon out there. See, we see, in, we see in this story this man named Simeon, right? That he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah. He was eagerly waiting for him to come. See, I think Simeon is, an, is the embodiment of a true spirit-led person, a true spirit-led man. The Spirit revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And even further, it says that, Jesus, that the Spirit led him to the temple on the day that Jesus was to be, to be presented in the temple with Mary and Joseph. I don't think this was a coincidence, right? Like, I think that oftentimes, you know, we, we chuck it up to like, oh, well, you know, it was just good timing, right? That he happened to be going to the temple at the same time or, or whatever that might be. But that's not what, what happened. This, I think this speaks to the necessity to continually, for us to continually pursue a spirit-led life. This is why it's necessary to listen when the Spirit speaks, speaks, even in the midst of our waiting. In the midst of our waiting, we see Simeon encounter Jesus. We see him be led by the Spirit to go to the temple. Encountering Jesus for Simeon was a confirmation that he was being led by the Spirit. And when he encountered Jesus, he experienced peace. And his, his life of waiting was, was over. And his final purpose in life was fulfilled. And I think about Simeon, when I, when I was thinking about Simeon and Anna specifically, I think some of us are like, or are, are, are maybe sometimes I can be like, and I think some of us are like Simeon. We hear the Spirit speak, but oftentimes we lack the action of going or believing that it was the Spirit speaking to us, right? That what if Simeon hadn't gone to the temple as the Spirit was leading him on that day at that time? What would have happened? As I think about that, he could have missed the opportunity. What if he hadn't believed what the Spirit had revealed to him about the Messiah in his death? He would have lived the last years of his life with no purpose. He would have been wandering in life with, with no purpose. He would, have, he, he, he would have had no purpose for his last years. He was encountering Jesus in the midst of waiting. And while waiting for the Messiah, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Oftentimes in our waiting, I'm guilty of becoming reclusive, Right? When I'm waiting on God to move in my life, when I'm waiting on God to answer a prayer, I, I, I'm guilty of, you know, I'll, it's, I'm going to withdraw, right? Or in the midst of waiting, sometimes I, I maybe get mad at God, right? Like, I'm like, okay, why, why isn't it happening in my way, at my time, the way that I, I want it to happen? 
God, why isn't the answer coming right now? But Simeon remained faithful in the waiting. Yes, yeah, so we have Simeon. And now let's check out Anna. Uh, Luke two thirty six to 38 says, Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Talk about discipline in the waiting. You know, many of us are waiting or have waited for God to move on our behalf. And when I think about Anna, specifically the fact that she never left the temple for years, she stayed there fasting, praying, in anticipation, waiting expectantly for the Messiah the one who was prophesied about that would come and rescue Jerusalem. What commitment she had. What obedience she portrayed. So, so often in the midst of waiting, it's easy to settle in and become comfortable when we're, uh, when we're there or even when we, start, we might start to drift away from God because we just don't see him moving how we think he should move or how, when it should happen. I mean, let's be real. Many of us, have a hard time fasting and praying and being disciplined for seven days, like in September, or in January when we have 21 days of fasting and prayer. Anna spent years praying and fasting. I know that in our church, there are many who have fasted and prayed for a long, long time. You've been waiting for God to work in the midst of situations. Know this, his timing is perfect. Continue to wait, continue to fast, continue to pray, and you will see his will come to pass. You will encounter Jesus. So we see people who have encountered Jesus through fear. We see people who have encountered Jesus in waiting. And I think third, we see people who encountered Jesus through obedience. You know, we talk about obedience in the story. I, I look at all of these characters in the biblical narrative, and we see so many people who were obedient to what God was speaking to them. And we've already talked about, talk about the obedience of Mary despite her fear. We've already talked about the obedience of Joseph despite his fear. Radical obedience. You know, they were you know, kind of becoming the laughingstock, if you would, of, of society. You know, I think about Joseph telling his friends, you know, hey, Mary's pregnant, but she's a virgin. Sure. Yeah, right. Right? Like, what would the response be? Sure, right. Whatever, the ridicule, the rejection, but they walked in obedience. They didn't allow fear to become an obstacle to their, to their obedience. The angel said to Joseph, he will be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And even further, after Jesus' birth, Joseph's obedience to pick up his family and, run to, and, and flee to Egypt to preserve the life of the firstborn. We see Simeon in the waiting. He was obedient to the Spirit leading him to the temple at the specific day, at the specific time, so that the promise made to him would be fulfilled. And after Jesus' birth, we see the Magi, right? We see, or the wise men. We don't know that there were three, but there are three in this nativity scene that we're going to set up, and probably in yours as well. Um, But the wise men who saw the star, these were Jewish men who studied the law and the prophets. They knew the prophecies from from the Old Testament law and from the prophets, that talk about a star. They knew the prophetic timetable that was given to Daniel. Because of their education, they even knew that God had a mission of sending the Messiah, the ultimate plan that God had and purpose for his son, Jesus, to be the redemption plan. They were obedient. You say, Pastor Rob, there's nowhere in Scripture that it says that they heard God speak and follow a star. You're right, because that's not where they were obedient. That was their curiosity getting the best of them and them feeling led to follow the star to meet and worship this king. So they followed the star. They journeyed for four or five months through some of the roughest terrain, all because of a new star in the sky that led them. And they followed it all the way to Jerusalem. And I want to pick up the story in Matthew 2 uh, where the Magi encounter King Herod. And it says this. It says, 
They're, they're, it's the Magi talking to King Herod. It says, where is a newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. Skipping to verse 7, it says, Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go worship him too. Skip to verse 10. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you know, that's usually where we end this piece of the story, right? But the next verse shows their obedience. They encounter Jesus, and then their obedience kicks in. They no longer were journeying out of their personal desire to worship the king of kings, which they did. There's so much significance in that piece of the story. But they show their obedience in the next verse, verse 12. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. They were obedient. They went back home using another route to preserve the life of the Savior. They were obedient in what God had warned them about in their dream. I know that as believers, we, all, <clears throat> we hear this all the time, that you know, we encounter Jesus through obedience. But it's true. How often do we walk in disobedience? Or, or we'll say, I'll do it later, or it's not convenient for me. I mean, I'm not sure of the wise men's exact route home, but the alternate route might have been super difficult and the terrain really hard to navigate. They could have said, that's not convenient, or it's too hard for me, or we weren't prepared for that type of a journey. But they got up, they went the other route, out of obedience. You know, we often miss an encounter with Jesus because we aren't walking in obedience. Maybe you've heard it said that delayed obedience is disobedience. God's plan is perfect, and oftentimes he wants to encounter us, and he's just waiting on us to be obedient. So we're speaking of fear, and we're speaking of obedience, but let's check out the shepherds in this story. They fall on our last point. Um, they encounter Jesus through position. So let's read from Luke 2, 8 through 17. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel assured them, Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Let's skip to verse 16. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. See, there's much discussion about the shepherds' and their social economic status in this day. Some say they were the lowest class of society and, and maybe even slaves or indentured servants. Some say they were the working class of society because they had, they had sheep and they, they, they had income through that. But it, for today's purpose, it really doesn't matter what their status was. See, despite their position, God chose them to be the first to find out about the Savior. The very first people that is told about the birth of Jesus are the shepherds in the field, right? They were the first ones besides Mary and Joseph to physically encounter Emmanuel. And, and I mean, it says in Scripture, it says that they were terrified. And talk about fear. You know, I'm like, when the angel says, do not be afraid, it's like kind of too late for that, Gabriel. Like, <laughs> like you, it's dark out here. I'm in a field. I don't know if you've ever been in the woods at night. But if the sky broke open and there was an angel speaking to me, Terrified isn't even the word, right? Like, terrified is, is, is I don't, the only word that I can think of, right? Like, that would, that would be what my body would be saying in that moment. 
But then we hear the message given to them. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. See, I think God chose the shepherds to find out first about the, new, about the birth of his son to further magnify the point that he is Messiah for all. See, if it would have been the Jewish religious leaders, then the Gentile believers wouldn't have been able to, wouldn't have been able to connect with it or identify with it. If it would have been the king, the people without power couldn't identify or, or, or understand the message, right? Wouldn't be able to, to identify with it. But, but a group of shepherds in a field, every person can hear their message. Every person can understand their point of view. Every person can identify with where they're at. Because they witnessed the angel saying he was good news for everyone. Not just the Jews. Not just the rich. Not just the poor, not just the religious, but he was good news for all people. Bring great joy to all people. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Not God with just a select few, or God with just the Jews, or God of just the Gentiles. He is good. He is God with everyone, all people. And, and I love the haste that we see from these shepherds, right? The haste in which they leave their flocks in the field. And as I thought about this even more, like these shepherds, whenever they left their flocks in the field, like they left their livelihood, right? They left their livelihood in the field. Because like, let's be real, it, was a, it would be a logistical, logistical nightmare for them to gather all their sheep from the field and say, let's go search the town to find this baby. Like that wouldn't have happened. And it even says in scripture that they came back after they had visited Jesus to the flock. So like this little sheep probably didn't go with the shepherd to, the, to, the, to, to see Jesus whenever he was born. But it says that, that they went, and that they went with, with, a, with a haste to see the birth of Jesus, and they left their money in the field, if you were to think about it that way. They left their position in the field, and they went to see this, the birth of Jesus. They went to see this newborn, this newborn baby. They left their position to go and see what the angels had told them about. Then they told everyone that they encountered about this story, about what they had encountered, about Jesus, the birth of the Messiah. Yeah, you know, Jesus came for all. He didn't come just for a select few. Regardless of your circumstance, your position, your feelings, he came for you. He came for me. He was born with a plan and a purpose of being in relationship with each and every one will call upon his name. You know, for a moment right now, I, I kind of want to pause for a moment, and I have a couple of questions I want to ask you, like as a congregation. And maybe this would be a reflective moment this morning, and no, this isn't like the end of the service. We're pausing in the middle of the service for, for, for a good reason. See, that oftentimes during the Christmas season, we often miss the, the opportunity to encounter Jesus. Mm-hmm. We see the signs of like, you know, the nativity all over the place. We see three kings and wise or three kings or three wise men and we see, you know, shepherds. We see Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus everywhere in, in the in the manger everywhere. But oftentimes we miss an opportunity to encounter him. I mean, it is the most wonderful time of the year, but not because of gifts or because of Santa or or because of sales or because of, you know, great great deals or whatever, or even because of family or because of friends. It's the most wonderful time of the year because we, it's a time we get to celebrate when God the Father sent his one and only son to be our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, our prince of peace. We get to encounter Emmanuel, God with us. Not God with a select few, not God with one person, not God with just a small group of people, but God for everyone. Through our fears, through our waiting, through obedience, through our position, God is with us. So if you would join me this morning, I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads bow your heads, and close your eyes for a moment. And I don't know where each one of you are in your faith journey during this Christmas season. But here's a question that I have for you. Have you encountered Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? See, the whole purpose of the baby in the manger was for him to be the sacrifice that bridged the gap for us to be in relationship with our creator. 
for us to have access to God and a relationship with him. See, scripture says that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's standard. But in his great mercy, he sent his son to offer redemption to us, to offer us an opportunity to be in relationship with him, to offer us eternal life. And so this morning, I want to provide that opportunity to you. Are you in relationship with Jesus this morning during the beginning of this Christmas season? And you say this morning, Pastor Rob, Christy, um, I, I need to be in relationship with, with him. I, don't, I need salvation. I need Jesus in my life. And maybe you've been on a faith journey for a time, and maybe this morning is the point, the opportunity for you to say yes to him. And if that's you this morning, I would invite you, no one's looking around, everybody's eyes are closed, if you would just slip your hand up so we could know to, be, to pray with you. If that's you, slip your hand up right where you're at this morning. Okay. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Is there anyone else this morning? You say this morning, I need to encounter Jesus. I need a relationship with him. Okay, let's take a moment right now and let's pray together. I want to thank you for being bold enough to to raise your hand. And let's pray this morning. And maybe you would pray something like this this morning to, to surrender your life to Jesus and ask him to be Lord of your life. You would say, Jesus, thank you for coming to be in relationship with me. Thank you for being born as a baby in a manger to live a sinless life, to to be the ultimate sacrifice on my behalf. God, I thank you for providing a way for me to be in relationship with you. And this morning, God, I ask you to be in my life. I ask you to be Lord of my life. I repent of my sin. God, I repent of the times that I've fallen short. God, and this morning, I ask you to lead my life. I commit my life to you this morning. I believe that you are Lord. And Jesus, would you come into our lives this morning? God, as we give them to you, in your name we pray, amen, amen. I have one more question for you this morning. And you can, this can be reflective, it can be, or or you can answer. And the second question is this. Maybe this morning you're here and you're struggling with fear. Maybe you find yourself Letting fear affect the decisions that you make in life that God is calling you to. Or maybe you're struggling in obedience and you know that God is calling you to do something, but you're struggling to obey. Maybe it's because of the fear in your life. Maybe it's because you're worried about what the outcome might be. Or maybe this morning you're in the season of waiting. You're waiting for God to move in a situation or a circumstance or you're standing on a promise that he gave to you and and you're just in this season of waiting. Or maybe you're struggling with your position. You're struggling and encountering Jesus because of your current situation, your current circumstance, what you're currently walking through. And if you identify with those this morning, Christy and I are going to pray over you guys as a church because we really believe that, that God, Jesus wants to encounter you during this season And he wants to encounter each one of us, no matter what we're walking through, whether it's in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our waiting, in the midst of our obedience, or in the midst of the situation or our position that we're in. So um, let us, if you'd bow your heads again, let us just pray over you as a a congregation. Jesus, this morning we thank you that we get to encounter you. God, that you give us an opportunity to encounter you. God, I thank you for those this morning who, who... had an opportunity this morning to encounter you. God, they gave their lives to you. And Lord, I pray for those this morning that are here, that are believers, that are walking in fear. God, that they're they're walking in in the in the maybe the season of the unknown, God. And God, they uh they feel you speaking to them, but they have a hard time walking it out. God, I pray, God, that you would not allow fear to be an obstacle in their life. God, I pray that today, God, that you would give them steps to take to overcome the fear that they are walking in. God, I pray, God, that you would put a support system around them to encourage them, to to lead them. 
during the season of, of, this, of, the, of the fear in their life. God, I pray, God, that you would raise up people like Mary and Joseph that would say, yes, whatever you call me to, God, I'm going to continue to walk in that. And that fear would not be a, a factor in them following you this morning. Father, I pray for those experienced season of waiting, waiting to hear your voice, your direction, your guidance. Father, would you give peace in the midst of the unknown? Would you help them to trust you to take a step of obedience? Help them to remain faithful and to know that you are near in this season. And for those that are struggling with stepping out in obedience, maybe they've heard from you, they know what they should do or say or act on, God, would you give them the boldness to be obedient? Would your Holy Spirit speak to them and give them the words to say the direction they need? And God, I pray for those this morning that are in difficult situations or positions, God, in their life. God, I pray for those who are, who are walking through uh, difficult circumstances that are preventing them from encountering you. God, there, maybe there are distractions that are in their lives, God, that, that are keeping them from being able to step away like we see the shepherds step away from their position to encounter the newborn Jesus. God, maybe this morning there are those that are here, God, that are walking through that. They're walking through a season where there are so many things going on. There's so much noise, God, in their life that they are having a hard time encountering you. God, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would speak louder than the noise in their life. God, I pray this morning, God, that they will hear your voice clearly, that they will listen and they will hear you. And God, that they will be called to take a step of faith. Lord, I pray, God, that you would not allow our circumstances and our situations to dictate the next step in our lives. God, that only your voice, when we encounter you, is what dictates that next step. Lord, I pray, God, for, for, for our congregation. I pray for healing this morning. God, for those who are walking in these different seasons, God, I pray for a fresh encounter with you this week. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. See, this morning, I have some very practical ways that we can, we can walk this together. And um, I have some questions on the screen. You should flip your mic off. I have some questions on the screen that if you take your phone out right now, you would be able to um, take your phone out, take a picture of these, because these are real-life practical questions that will help you walk through each one of these situations. Because I believe that oftentimes, you know, the first one, that oftentimes when we're in fear, we need to ask the question, what step can I take today that would counter the fear that's in my life? Because oftentimes we see maybe the big thing that God's calling us to, and we're afraid of the big thing, but we can take one step towards that. One, maybe make one decision today. And then tomorrow, make another decision. And the next day, make, a, make another decision. So we're not, it helps us counter that fear. The second one is, is a question about waiting. Is God asking me to do something specific in the midst of my waiting? You know, for Simeon, he was waiting for, for years for the Messiah and the Holy Spirit asked, spoke to him to go to the temple on a specific day. And he saw his waiting come to an end. You know, oftentimes I hear people, you know, say, hey, you know, I've been waiting. I've been praying for a family member to come to know Jesus. What is God doing in your life? What is he asking you to do in the midst of that situation? Because I believe that oftentimes he's asking us to say, hey, are you sharing the gospel with them? Are you living a Christ-like life in front of them? Are you witnessing to them? Number three, obedience. What is God asking me to do in obedience, and what is one step I can take? You know, when we, when we hear God speak to us, what are we doing? Are we saying, oh, I can do that tomorrow? Are we saying, oh, I can do that later, or that's not convenient right now, or... You know, yesterday I was, in a co- I was in the coffee shop. I study up at, you know, shameless plug for Broad Street Grind. And um, I study up at Broad Street Grind whenever I'm sermon prepping. And, and I, had a, I had a lot on my mind that I was writing out. And I said, you know, I had my headphones in, kind of in my own world. And I felt, <laughs> here you go, God used me going to the bathroom to initiate a conversation with somebody so I get up from my seat, and it was a conversation that I needed to have that I had been waiting for a while to have and uh, with a specific person, and they walked into Broad Street Grind yesterday. 
while I was there, and I felt, felt like, okay, this is the moment. This is the opportunity, and God aligned that opportunity for me to walk in obedience, have the conversation, and take that step. Sometimes I would say, you know, are you listening to what is the circumstances that are around you? Because oftentimes God's calling you to, to just look at the circumstances and say, okay, what is God giving me the opportunity to take one step towards what he's calling me to? Number four, position. In the midst of your current position, who can you share with G- share? Who can you share with about your encounter with Jesus? Those shepherds are a perfect example of this. Like, they encountered Jesus, and then they went and told everybody. Everybody they encountered, they told about their, their Jesus encounter. See, it doesn't matter what we're walking through right now. If you're a believer in the room, God has already encountered you. You've already had an encounter with Jesus. Who are you telling about that? Who are you telling about your encounter with, with Jesus? And practically... Um, Christy and I want to share how this has kind of walked in our lives, like just some, you know, down to earth, like real, real story of how, how we've walked through fear. We've walked through waiting. We've walked through obedience. We've walked through, um, we're, uh, walked through, um, position. And, uh, so yeah. Yeah. So, um, Rob and I have experienced some fear about two years ago, Rob and I kind of started to get this, like not in our stomach, an unsettled feeling, and we didn't have peace. So, of course, we began to pray. We began to say, all right, God, what does this mean? So we entered into a season of fasting and praying and waiting, but that unsettled feeling just kind of stayed. And this season of fear continued and carried over into a season of waiting. And as we waited and prayed, we had our son, Zebediah, after a long, hard journey. And many of you know some of that story, and if you don't, we would love to share with you. But even in as awesome of a moment as that was, that season was for us, that unsettled feeling remained. You know, that knot in our stomach just stayed, and we didn't have peace. So fast forward to a year ago, uh, this past October, we sold our house, thinking that maybe the peace that we so longed for was Part of us knowing that the house on Reliance Road was not necessarily conducive to raising a one-year-old. So we sold our house when the market was right, and we said we would wait. We would wait to rent. We would rent until the season came right to buy again. But that unsettled feeling remained. That knot in our stomach was still there. So we continued to pray and fast and seek God for direction. Yeah, and so during that season of waiting, um, we felt God speak to us about obedience, right? And um, there are so many, t- so many situations over the past couple of years that I can point out that I, I really felt like God was testing to see how obedient I would be, right? Like in different areas, like with my, with my kid even. <laughs> like he really wants to test your obedience sometimes. <laughs> Um, if you have children, you understand. In our finances, you know, how obedient are you willing to be? How, how generous are you willing to be? Are you going to do the things that I'm asking you to do? And, you know, Christy and I have experienced what some would call extreme obedience in the past. You know, when we were working in Pittsburgh, in Pitts, Pittsburgh, you hear that? <laughs> Pittsburgh. And we were youth pastors at a thriving youth ministry and church, and God called us to drop everything and move to Morgantown and help start a church. Like, that was pretty radical obedience for us. Um, so we began, um, we began just to continue to pray through this season, and an unsettled feeling in our knot in our stomach felt eerily familiar. So we began to listen for God's direction, and we thought that maybe God was calling us to the mission field, and just honestly, we sat down with Paul and Leslie, and we went and, Christy and I went and visited a missions organization, and we even came back and said, hey, you know, I think this is what we're going to do, but we never had that unsettled, that never had a peace. We never had, that unsettled feeling never went away. And um, so the knot in our stomach remained. And, um, you know, part of what we've always prayed is that God, you know, we're never going to, like, look for a job, right? Does that make sense? Like, we're never going to look for a job. But, God, you're, if you open a door, we'll, we'll have conversations. And over the past two years, there have been multiple opportunities that have come our way, but we didn't have peace in any of them. And um, 
Earlier this fall, we had two opportunities we were praying about. And, uh, you know, as strange as it is, you invite your boss and his wife over and you say, hey, would you pray with us about these two opportunities that are coming our way that we're praying about? And they're like, uh, sure. <laughs> like, we're friends, but, you know, we're, you're also my boss. So, you know, that sort of idea. And so one was, one was at our home church and just a couple of miles from, from our family, like literally, like, walking distance from Christy's parents. And oh, if you guys know, if you've heard about what's going on in my family with my grandparents, you know, we, we really were like, okay, God, like this, 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 this might be you. Like this might be what you're, you're asking us to do. And um, the other was outside of church ministry working for the Pendel District as, uh, at the Bongiorno Camp and Conference Center. So we took a week, and we've been praying, and we, we, we prayed about it, and we fasted. And at the end of September, we fasted and, pray and prayed. And at the end of the week of prayer and fasting, Christy and I had a conversation. And um, Well, actually, before that, yeah, we had a conversation. And um, we talked about our home church, and, and we were like, we just didn't have a piece about moving to our home church. And for some reason, like, it didn't feel like it's what God was calling us to. And... You know, everything inside of me tried to force the knot out of my stomach when I talked about my home church because that's where everything inside of me, selfishly, like we wanted to be there. You know, with my grandma having dementia and Alzheimer's, my grandfather and his heart, his health issues and heart issues of a small family, like I was so wanted to be there in this season. But it's not what God was calling us to. And we both didn't have a peace about it. But when we talked about the other opportunity at the conference center, we, we had a peace. And we pray, God, are you sure? Like, we love Bridge. We love our family here. We love Pastor Paul. We love Leslie. We love our leadership team. Our staff is incredible. And I remember the day that we sat in the prayer room and I told Pastor Paul, I said, I, this is what Christy and I are like, looking at doing. Like, this is what we're, we're, we're going to do. This is the decision we're making. And the knot in our stomach was gone. The knot was, the, there was a peace that we hadn't walked in in a year, over a year and a half, almost two years. And sometimes we don't understand the journey that God is taking us on. But feeling peach, peace, feeling peach, feeling peace in each step is part of the way that he guides us. And so that being said, um, Christy and I are going to be transitioning from Bridge to the Pendel District and working as the assistant directors of the, of the Bongiorno Camp and Conference Center. And um, it's not happening super quick. Uh, we're going to be uh, starting, we're starting there on January 30th. And our last Sunday with our Bridge family will be January 29th. And um, see, despite the position that we're in, the circumstances that we face, we know that God is ultimately in control and guiding us in each step. And I want you guys as a church to know that we love you guys. Like, we absolutely love this church. We absolutely love what, what, what we've been able to be a part of and being part of your family. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your family. And we want to continue to be part of your family if you will allow us to be. Um, if we're not going to be, like, excommunicated, we would love to still be part of, of your family as much as we can. You know, we are moving into a different role. It's not a full-time church ministry role. It's a... It's a kind of a parachurch, it's a parachurch organization. Um, it's a different type of ministry. I've, we've never experienced life outside of full-time church ministry, just honestly. We've always been full-time church ministry um, basically my whole life. Um, so we're going to be about two hours away at, 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 in Carlisle. And um, you know, our plan is to still be able to try to stay in relationship with you guys. And um, Paul, Paul and I, Pastor Paul and I have talked about that. Um, at, at length, because you guys are or you guys are our family. It does uh, in this transition. God has provided for us to be able to be closer to our family. Uh, we'll be uh, three hours away. You know, the, in November we I made two trips to Morgantown um, just to take care of to be with family and help with things that are going on in our family. And six hours is a long way each way. And when you have a toddler, that six hours is actually longer than six hours. You know, so. Um, but I do want to reiterate something in this, is I want you to hear this from me. This, this is like the worst breakup line ever, right? Like, it has nothing to do with bridge. It has everything to do with me, right? And and it's not you, it's me. And it's, and 
And, it, and that, that is very true. It's what God has been doing in our lives. It's what God has been preparing in our lives for us to take this next step. And honestly, you have the best lead pastor in the world. Like, I, I, I honestly, I, we love Paul and Leslie, and we love, our, love the leadership team here. And I can tell you that my biggest fear in all in this transition was losing my mentor, was losing, a, was losing my boss, but also losing my best friend. Like, that's really what my, my fear was. And, um, Paul, I want, to tell you thank, I want to tell you thank you personally for investing in my life and in Christy's life and in our family um, over the years. And, um, church, this transition is going to be hard. It's going to be hard uh, for us, and maybe it's going to be hard for some of you as well. But know that we want to walk with you through it. We're not, we don't want to abandon ship, if you were to say it like that. We want to walk with you through, through this season. And you have a great leadership team that has been supportive of us over the past months that we've been sharing with them. And, and as we continue to journey over the next weeks and months, I know that God's going to continue to, to let his plan unfold here at Bridge, and in our lives as well. So, um, Pastor Paul, would you come and would you rescue me? <laughs> so, I don't... I'll rescue you, but who's rescuing us? <laughs> Here's the thing I didn't ever want to have to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. You guys know we love you. Um, how does this make you feel? Here's what I love about being honest. Our church is very authentic, okay? You might have been listening to some of this, and you're going to say, what are they going to say? Um, because when transitions happen in any type of public situation, um, people are really good at putting their best face forward and saying, you know, things are this and things are that. Here's the reality of it. Um, I've been afraid. I've been angry, I've been surprised, I've been depressed. But I'm also really confident in what God wants to do. And I'm telling you that, this is not about me, it's not about Christy or Rob. This church doesn't belong to a person, it belongs to Jesus. And I'm sharing that with you because, um, ironically enough, you know, maybe you have felt some fear, as we see on the slide in front of you or behind me. Maybe there's a waiting period that you're questioning. Maybe there's obedience or you just have to get closer to Jesus. What I can tell you this morning as we're looking through this is there's lots of questions that God puts in our path. And, and for some reason, I don't know why it is in the Christian journey. And all of us have probably experienced this at different times. But when we make a decision to follow Christ and choose Christ, for some reason, God confuses that with being a major league baseball player because he throws curveballs our way all the time. You know what I'm talking about? Like you, just, you have these experiences and you say, God, what is this? But, but here's what I know in the midst of it. I know that I'm 100% in support of what God's getting ready to do with you guys. We've known you for seven years, right? Seven years. And the way that you came into this church, ironically, yes, it was through a mutual friend, but we also posted a job description for $1 on a 30-day trial that Christy saw. True story, right at the same time that we were having an actual meeting with a mutual friend, I know God is 100% in this for you guys. We know your heart. Leslie and I know your heart. We know that God wants to do something with you and through you doing this. And we do support you 100% through the transition, um, including not just being there, but making sure that you're back and that you're a part of us as a church. Um, so I just wanted to say that up front. There's been that question that people might have in the midst of this. It's not just that we're changing staff around in the midst of our other transitions, but we are losing friends in proximity of where we are, but we're not losing friends for life. Um, you may be wondering what's been happening since this time because you heard Pastor Rob allude to the conversations over the last few months. So what actually have you all been doing during that time? And that's a great question. Aside from all the emotions I just shared, um, here's what we have been doing very briefly. Um, since... Uh, 
Pastor Matt transitioned in September, we have been looking at reordering some of the things we're doing at Bridge. We've taken some of the responsibilities that he has had in specific areas, and we've been actually uh, reallocating those to a combination of volunteers and staff people moving some things around. And that's a good thing. And that's something actually that I'm encouraged by because God's showing that there are some things in play that he wants us to continue to be faithful in pursuing. That's something that we have been doing. Um, we have met together as leaders, elders, advisory board. People are in the loop on this. Our leadership team has made a commitment for a season of time to pray and fast together to seek the direction of what God wants to do here at Bridge. I think that's a really great step for us as well, and I'm encouraged by that and everyone being a part of that. Um, you may want to know what's the order of things because, you know, we don't have a youth pastor at this point, and if, if, if Pastor Rob... Uh, is transitioning, you might know that, that there's pretty much no stone or piece of drywall or light switch in this building that Pastor Rob hasn't had his stamp on at some point in the last seven years. Our number one priority as a leadership team at Bridge is to replace a role that would be more in line with Pastor Rob's, not in a youth minister perspective. We have options and we're praying about alternatives in the other way. But the most important thing, and that's what we've been doing, is pursuing and having conversations with people. I have had conversations with a few people um, over the last number of weeks and months to talk about what the change could look like. And we're praying to see if one of those people might be someone that God's calling in to take over uh, in his stead. The responsibilities may look a little bit different, but we are praying about that, and we are having conversations with people. Um, I think that's important for you to know as well. Um, what I want to share with you briefly before we wrap up our time today is not just to discuss what we're doing, but maybe encourage you to consider what God may be asking you to do. That's important. One of the most mature responses I have heard through this news didn't come from me. I'll be honest. It came from someone that I was surprised it actually would come from. And the word that they used, not because they're not a good person. I just didn't expect to hear this. Um, the word that they used was excited. I'm excited. And I said, you're excited. Pastor Rob and Christy are leaving. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And that hurts. No, here's what they meant. If God is doing some things and speaking to the hearts of leaders in our church to move them in different places, whether it's into new pastoral ministries or in non-pastoral ministries, that means God is getting ready to do something at Bridge as well. And I agree with that, and I completely support that, and I think that's a beautiful way of looking at this because he does call people out of ministries. He does. The whole large church belongs to Jesus. He also calls people up into roles, and he calls people over. And that's what we're praying about. Who is he calling up into responsible roles at the church? Who is he shifting over from one role to another? And the thing that I keep hearing in my heart that it's hit the last couple of weeks, if you go back just a few weeks ago, two weeks in a row during our services, two different people said the exact same thing. They said they were walking through something in their own life, and they were asking God, God, why don't we have this? either in our church or in our community. Why don't we have, and there was this frustration, and God's response to them was, you do it. And there is something very powerful about that that I want to encourage you with, because, sure, we don't know what everything's going to hold in the future, but what I do know is that God speaks to people. He speaks to each one of us. We encounter Jesus, and he talks to us, and sometimes in the midst of those changes, the answer is not, well, we're just going to wait for something else to happen. Sometimes the answer is God says, you do it. So I don't know what that means in big picture. What I want to encourage you to do during this season is to join us during a time of prayer, during a time of fasting, just to join us as we walk through the next number of weeks and the next two months as they prepare to move on to the next role that they're going to be in. And can I encourage you really to consider one thing specifically this message about encountering Jesus, depending on how you look at who Jesus is, will influence how you respond in difficult situations. You see, for a lot of people, this really cute nativity is about as far as it gets in terms of understanding the power of God working in their lives. For some people, all this is is a decoration for their homes. The nativity rec represents a decoration for their homes. But can I remind you that Jesus is not a decoration for our homes. He's a 
deliverer to change our hearts. And this is important for us to remember. He's not just a symbol around Christmas to admire. He's a savior. He's a savior to adore. That's what we do during the Christmas season. Remember the risen savior and who he is. So as we walk through this time, I don't want this season of our church to just be about a transition. I want it to be a time where we can take a step back and say, Lord, what are you getting ready to do across bridge? What are you doing in the body? And what are you going to do outside the body? You've put some hopes and dreams in our hearts. You've heard me say over the last few years that God has really, I believe, called this church to be a church that really makes an impact in the youth and our community. And I absolutely 100% believe that. And this belongs to him. So whatever he's choosing to do, we want to hear him and we want to adjust and we want to move forward with this, with a, a mindset of confidence in Jesus. Amen. So, um, what we're going to do this morning, um, it is uh, a little past our time, but we always want to give people an opportunity because today's service, if we're not careful, can just be about news of a transition, but may we not forget that encountering Jesus is why we're here as a body. And we have people on our prayer team, and I'm going to invite you all just to come up. And if you could just play some music in the background, our prayer team is going to come up here. Here's what I'd like you to do as you're preparing. Some of you, some of you may be at a place, all this news aside, where you're listening to what was spoken this morning about encountering Jesus, and you're saying, I walk with a spirit of fear. I'm tired of waiting. I know what God's calling me to do, and I'm lacking the strength to do it. Or maybe it's just like he said, the position in the midst of your current position, who can you share Jesus with and encounter with Jesus? Maybe one of these things are speaking to you loudly this morning. Let's not just walk out of the room and continue our lives. Let us be mindful of what God wants to say to us this morning and see where it goes. Um, Yeah, if you would just join us as we pray this, uh, this morning. Father, we just come before you today and we thank you for who you are and we thank you for loving us and knowing us. God, I just want to just thank you for your love and I want to thank you for your kindness. I want to thank you for us being reminded this morning that everything that we have comes from you, that there is no church that's owned by a man or a person, that the body belongs to you. And God, I thank you for speaking clearly, and I thank you for what you're going to speak. I thank you, God, for opening doors and showing things, not just in Rob and Christie's life, but God, you promise in each one of our lives, as we go through fear, you remind us in Timothy that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. As we continually wait on you, Lord, may we be reminded that there are things you can call us to do in the midst of the waiting that your timing is perfect in all things and you are good and you are holy and you are in control. And Father, I just pray as we continue to take steps, as you call us to obedience, may you give us the courage to walk, even if it be one small step at a time. And God, may we always keep our position close to you, especially during this Christmas season as the world around us is going to tell us of the latest deals and the latest online sales and the great decorations that are all around. Jesus, all of those things we know, they don't really have a picture in the, a place in the picture of eternity. May each one of us walk this season, this, this Christmas season, sharing the love of Christ and adoring a savior, not a symbol, celebrating a deliverer, not a decoration. Jesus, I just pray a blessing over the people that are here. I pray a blessing over our church family, those that are online. And I just ask that this Christmas season would be an opportunity to encounter you in a new way. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, we love you. If there's anything we can do for you, if you have any questions about things, or if you just want us to come and just be, just to pray for you, you're welcome to come with our prayer team today. We pray blessings on you, and we just ask that you would have a great week and go with God.